Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Hong Bo-kyung and Che Ji-hee. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. We're going to be talking about uh, the South Korean Central Bank, the Bank of Korea, raising its key interest rates once again. Uh, this, of course, to tackle the persistently high inflation. Uh, we had, uh, of course, a lot of experts uh, chiming in on how much the uh, Bank of Korea would rise, uh, raise its key interest rates. And it seemed like uh, it is kind of going on the same path as what they expected here. And uh, But uh, the other issue is, of course, uh, whether or not these uh, higher uh, key interest rates will also lead to a possible economic slowdown is the other fear. But I think it seems like for the time being, uh, what the policymakers are focusing more on is taming the inflation. Jihee, you have the details of today's announcement. Right. So with the inflation still standing at around 5%, the Bank of Korea carried out its seventh interest rate hike today. At the first rate-setting Monetary Policy Board meeting of this year, held earlier in the day, the central bank lifted the benchmark rate from 3.25% to 3.5%. Now, the previous rate increase happened back in November last year when there was a 0.25 percentage point hike for the sixth time since April last year. Uh, This also marked the 10th increase of a combined three percentage points since August 2021, when the BOK began normalizing the historically low rate uh, put in place to bolster the pandemic hit economy and also fighting fast rising inflation pressure. Now, the BOK explained in a statement that the board judges that the additional 25 basis points hike is warranted to ensure price stability as inflation still remains high and is projected to be above the target level for a considerable time. Now, the statement also added that the board will continue to conduct monetary policy to stabilize consumer price inflation at the targeted level over the medium term horizon as it monitors economic growth while paying attention uh, to financial stability as well. Now, the recent decision came as inflation remains high, despite a recent let up caused by a fall in crude oil prices. And according to the BOK's recent prediction, inflation pressure will likely moderately steadily moderate steadily this year, but prices could grow at around 5% for the time being still. At this New Year's Day message, BOK Governor Lee Chang-yong had expressed concerns over inflation in which he said the priority of the central bank's monetary policy will stick to prices price stability uh, going forward. And regarding BOK's rate hikes, experts cautiously predict that the more than a year of hikes will end later this year or even early next year, as there are worries over an economic recession. Uh, And this is growing. And the central bank said the economic growth is expected to fall below the latest projection, citing a global recession and the impact of steep rate hikes on the overall economy in a separate press release uh, on Friday as well. And Governor E added that he recognizes the toughening economic conditions in the country and said will closely cooperate with the government and other relevant agencies to engineer an economic soft landing. 
Yeah, so again, I mean, 3.5% is uh, relatively high uh, if you consider it being uh, Korea. And also another thing that I keep mentioning is that uh, I know a lot of uh, homeowners, uh, recent home, new homeowners uh, recently took out uh, massive mortgages uh, to borrow uh, to purchase these homes. Uh, they've been uh, already struggling to pay off uh, even the, the interest rates due to the rising uh, key interest rates here. Uh, but the big problem right now is 3.5 seems like a very high figure for us here in South Korea, but we have to take into consideration, of course, uh, over in the United States and the U.S. Fed and what they'll do. Uh, and uh, although it is a 25 basis point increase, I guess uh, good news for a lot of these uh, homeowners. Uh, but one of the fears that a lot of economists are saying is that I believe the U.S. Fed, uh, they're going to be making their announcement on their next uh, key interest rate hike uh, come uh, February 1st, I believe. And uh, the consensus is that they're probably going to raise it uh, 50 basis points, uh, which means that the gap between the Bank of Korea and the U.S. Fed is going to increase even more. And how will that, of course, uh, impact us economically? But it does seem like at least uh, some of the CP I mean, uh, looking at the consumer price index uh, here, here in South Korea is kind of on a downhill trend. Uh, I've been looking at the, the gas prices as well. It only cost me 70000 uh, one to fill up uh, today compared to like 90000 mm -hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, hopefully uh, all of these uh, rate hikes will eventually lead uh, to the inflation uh, going down here. Looking at other figures, export and import prices falling 6% in the month of December, which is the largest drop in 13 years. Uh, let's get the details of this, Bogyoung. Sure, SJ. So as you just said, the import and export prices fell by the largest pace in 13 years and 8 months. According to the Bank of Korea, import and export prices in December fell 6% to 118.03 compared to the previous month. It's the second consecutive month that we've been seeing such a downward trend, with this 6% drop being the largest one since April 2009. But compared to December 2021, the export prices are still 3.1% higher. Such drop can be attributed to the $1 exchange rate, the fall in oil prices, and a sluggish economy. Driving down the export prices of South Korea's major products such as semiconductor and chemical. For instance, export prices of petroleum products fell 13.6%, computer and electronic products fell 5.2%. And import price index also dropped 6.2% in December, which is also a drop for two consecutive months as well. The number also marks the largest fall in seven years. However, compared to December of 2021, the import index is still 9.1% higher. Petroleum products led the drop in import prices, which is attributed to the fall in average price of the Dubai crude, which fell 10.5% on month. The average of the export price index of 2022 was 126.30, which is a year-on-year -year increase of 16.6%. The average of the import price index also rose 25.9% compared to the previous year. Such increase is the highest since the financial crisis of 2008. Again, every time we mentioned uh, some of these figures, uh, we keep talking about uh, how, the, how this is the lowest or the highest uh, since the, the financial crisis and back in 2008. And a lot of people are saying, well, I mean, a recession's already here. Others are saying, recession's not here just yet. Uh, it's not a financial crisis uh, just yet. But I think for many people, it certainly does. 
does feel like a financial crisis. Uh, in the meantime, continued high inflation means the South Korean economy will face a bumpy road ahead this year. The economic conditions are looking worse uh, than ever with uh, slowing domestic consumption uh, as well as the uh, sluggish exports that we just talked about mm-hmm. here. Chi, you're going to fill us in on this. Right. So the Ministry of Economy and Finance released its monthly economic assessment refer- uh, report referred to as the Green Book in which it mentioned the possibility of an economic slowdown for the eighth uh, uh, economic slowdown in the country. And the ministry said recently the South Korean economy's inflation continued to stay high and the recovery of domestic consumption has slowed. The weak economic sentiment has continued on weak exports as well. uh, And this is leading to concerns over an economic slowdown. So if you take a look into the economy by sector, while the mining, manufacturing, gas and electricity industries, as well as facility investment, in fact, improved on month in November last year, uh, retail sales, which usually reflects domestic spending, decreased 1.8 percent on month, recording losses for the third consecutive month. And also consumer prices grew 5% on year in December, staying at 5% or higher for the eighth month in a row. And to worsen the situation, the country's economic backbone exports fell 9.5% on year on December uh, to stand at 54.99 billion U.S. dollars. And so this was the first time since 1997 for the country to suffer trade deficit for nine months in a row. And in the Green Book, uh, the finance ministry added that the country is likely to face challenging external conditions as well. So the speed of monetary tightening for other countries and China's quarantine situations are adding to the persisting uncertainties uh, in the economy. And the ministry added that along with slowed growth of major economies, the downward pressure for the global economy has continued on the war between Russia and Ukraine. And also there's the BSI or Business Survey Index, uh, and this represents the business sentiment of corporations. And this is continuing its downward downward trend as well uh, for the fourth consecutive month. So the number is basically calculated based on businesses' prospect and judgment regarding the current business situation. And the number goes below 100 if there are more negative prospects than the positive ones. And the government promised to accelerate its efforts to achieve the three main reforms it had mentioned earlier and to improve the economic climate by improving the exports and investment as well as management of internal and external risks. That's right. And it's uh, I think it's important to note that it's not just South Korea that's uh, going through this right now. A number of major economies are uh, facing similar, uh, I guess, uh, you know, problems at this time, which is no surprise that uh, the World Bank earlier this year, I, I believe with their uh, global growth rate, uh, they, they down uh, downsized their, their outlook uh, there. So, uh, I mean, we're looking at a number of different issues, and they said that, you know, it could be anything that a lot of external factors could come in in 2023. There could be another flare-up of COVID-19 uh, uh, cases, or uh, the ongoing war over in Ukraine could be another thing. And so uh, we'll have to keep a close tab on uh, the economy, which is, again, not surprising that during this uh, New Year's uh, speech, uh, President Yoon Sagyar mentioned economy uh, 11 times, uh, really stressing the importance of uh, trying to drive up the sector there. Uh, In the meantime, 
Today marks a very special day, uh, also for myself as well, uh, being part of this group of people. Uh, we are celebrating the 120th anniversary of Korean American Day. Uh, Bogyoung, fill us in on this. Right. So before I begin, I wanted to ask you, SJ, because yes. you're also a Korean American, yes. I suppose. Yes. So when did you go to the States? Uh, November 8th, 1992, mm. uh, I touched down on John F. Kennedy Airport. With your family, right? With, with my family and uh, with sunglasses on, thinking <laughs> I was a Hollywood star. <laughs> How uh, old were you? I was, I was six. Ah, <laughs> <cute>. Very <laughs> so, mature. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, I didn't know that we were immigrating there at the time. It was mm. it was supposed to be like a a, a temporary, like a short stay, and oh. then it turned into a permanent thing. So, mm. uh, yeah. So it's been uh, what is it? Uh, over thirty years since I uh, immigrated to the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, as you're also part of the community, mm-hmm. so maybe you should also celebrate today as well. So. I didn't do anything. I'm sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything, though. But tell us about this. Sure. So one. 120 years ago, on January 13, 1903, the first group of 102 Korean immigrants arrived in Hawaii. And that was the beginning of the immigration history of Korean Americans. And this ceremony, organized by the Korean Association in Hawaii, will be held today at a Korean church in Honolulu. And we should remember that this church is the first Korean church to be established overseas. And that's why they're holding it there. Mm -hmm. And there are many events held across the U.S. celebrating the Korean American Day. But the one held in Hawaii is the largest one and most symbolic one. The Korean American Day was passed by the U.S. Senate and House in 2005 by unanimous consent, expressing support for the goals and aspirations of the Korean American Day. It is celebrated by numerous states and municipalities. People Power Party lawmaker Kwon Sung-dong is also expected to read the congratulatory remarks on behalf of President Yoon Seok-yeol. Yeah, a lot of these uh, festivities happen in different states and, uh, you know, this, this city, well, you know, I, I lived in New York and so New York City has a vast Korean-American uh, community there and I remember marking the, the 100th anniversary of the first immigration of uh, Koreans. It was a, a major concert mm-hmm. over at Flushing Meadow Park in Queens. And I uh, remember like Boa was there, mm. Changnara was there, uh, uh, Igi-chan was there as well. I'm, I'm not even so joking. 20 years ago. This was about 20 years ago, exactly. And so I, I remember it being like a major, major festivities because, it, I mean, there was a significance about 100 years, right? And again, mm-hmm. uh, 120 years is also very significant. But uh, U.S. President Joe Biden uh, releasing a statement in regards to this. Right. So marking the Korean American Day, the White House released a statement made by U.S. President Joe Biden. Biden stressed the importance of a strong U.S.-South Korea alliance, saying that the contributions of Korean Americans enrich lives every day and lift U.S. to new heights. He also said that both nations are growing closer, not just because more Americans are calling Korea home, but because generations of Korean immigrants and Korean Americans have been enriching culture and diversity in the U.S. That's right. If you go to certain cities uh, in the United States, there's uh, more Koreans, uh, more Korean population in that city than in some of the cities here in Korea. Uh, for example, uh, baseball player Lee Jin, mm. uh, when he first signed with the L.A. Dodgers, yeah, he, he went there and said, 
boy, I'm going to have a problem learning English because uh, there's more Koreans in the city of Los Angeles than the city of Daejeon when he was playing for the Hanwha Eagles. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there's a, a, a massive Korean-American population there. Yeah. And it's all thanks to, of course, the, the first 102 Koreans uh, that immigrated there. And, of course, we had an extensive interview uh, regarding the documentary uh, that was uh, produced by uh, director Lee Jin-young uh, that we talked about yesterday. Uh, staying with the United States and the South Korea alliance, the U.S. Department of Defense saying on Thursday that U.S. policy continues to remain focused on the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Now, the remarks were made by Pentagon spokesperson during a press briefing when asked about President Yoon Sang-yeol's comments made earlier this week. Now, uh, the NSC coordinator for strategic communication, uh, we're talking about uh, John Kirby here, uh, had also made similar comments at a pre uh, press briefing. Ji, you have the details of this. Right. So President Yoon Sang-yeol said earlier this week that Seoul may deploy tactical nuclear weapons or develop its own nuclear capabilities should North Korean provocations intensify. Now, when asked about President Yoon Seok-yeol's recent comments uh, hinting at possible nuclear armament by South Korea, Pentagon spokesperson Pat Ryder said that the U.S. policy continues to remain focused on the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Now, he also said the U.S. is cooperating to protect the security and stability of its allies to deter aggression from countries like North Korea and the allies being South Korea and Japan. And when Ryder was asked why South Korea should not arm itself with nuclear weapons, Ryder said the issue is related to nuclear non-proliferation and regional security as well as stability. Uh, he stressed that South Korea falls under the extended deterrence umbrella and is home to nearly 30,000 U.S. troops, adding that the U.S. nuclear umbrella has thus far seemed to have fulfilled its deterrence function very effectively. Now, when NSC coordinator was also asked what would the leaders of the U.S. and Japan be thinking about in terms of the latest announcement from South Korea, saying that they're open to acquiring nuclear weapons, uh, John Kirby answered, the United States remains committed and President Biden remains committed to the complete denuclearization of the peninsula and that this hasn't changed. Uh, he also said South Korea has made clear that they're not seeking nuclear weapons, but what the allies are going to seek jointly to Together is improvements in extended deterrence capabilities moving forward. Yeah, so um, this is sort of an issue that has been brought up a number of times, uh, whether or not South Korea will inevitably have to arm itself with nuclear weapons. Uh, in fact, I believe uh, uh, Professor Robert Kelly and I uh, from Busan National University, we had an ex interesting talk mm -hmm. uh, regards to this last year. Uh, he thinks that it's inevitable that South Korea will eventually have to have the nuclear arms. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest problem with this is two things. The U.S. is not going to want South Korea to arm itself right. with nuclear weapons. And, it, I mean, we heard the, uh, the the reason as to why they don't want this. They have enough troops there. This is uh, enough uh, for deterrence. But all, the other thing is if, North, uh, if South Korea does end up having nuclear weapons, it's going to rely less on the, uh, the U.S. troops. Right. And uh, the United States want as much presence as possible on the South Korean side uh, because of North Korea, because of China, because of Russia, strategically, or once again, geographically, uh, it is a very strategically uh, beneficial place for uh, the United States. And and the other, on the flip side, and also if, I think if there's like a nuclear weapon that South Korea has, that's going to cause even more problems with uh, North Korea. So it, it's a tough thing. I, 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 I cannot see... 
the United States okaying uh, South Korea arming itself with nuclear weapons here. But what's uh, your personal view, though? Do you want us to have nuclear weapons you in know, the future eventually? Uh, I'm going to answer with the same answer as... Because uh, I'm from the United States. Since it's Korean American Day, I'll answer everything the American way. Uh, people ask me, are you pro-gun or uh, against gun? What, uh-huh. what, are, what is against pro Anyways, I am not a big fan of guns. I think uh-huh. having a gun creates more problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more likely to get shot if you have a gun on yourself to protect yourself uh, than when you don't have. And my thing is, if you have nuclear weapons, uh, more nuclear be- uh, weapons on the Korean Peninsula, I think it's just going to cause more problems okay. because of North Korea. Mm. Why? Just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> you probably thought, I was like, you just go with nuclear <laughs> weapons here. Uh, you know what? It's nuclear. Uh, no mm. pun intended. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a major, major uh, kind of uh, issue that's coming up right now over in the United States. Uh, classified documents being found at uh, President Biden's residence and office. And this could potentially be a major threat uh, to Biden's political career here. Uh, Po Gyeong, you're going to give us a uh, look on t- into this. Right. So um, the classified government documents of President Joe Biden's vice presidency, not now, but back then, were found at his Washington-based think tank office, not the residence yet. The U.S. Attorney General has appointed a special counsel to investigate the case, which could result in Biden facing a political impasse. Biden said that he was not aware of the existence of the documents and that he will actively cooperate in the investigation. Merrick Garland on Thursday said that due to, quote, extraordinary circumstances surrounding the discovery of the documents, he had to appoint a special counsel, Robert Herr, a Washington-based lawyer and former federal prosecutor who is also a Korean-American and was also appointed by President Donald Trump. Not only the fact that classified documents were in Biden's possession, but that this was disclosed nine days later with additional documents being discovered could create a stir to Biden's political ambitions. White House lawyer Richard Sauber said in a statement, quote, We are confident that a thorough review will show that these documents were inadvertently misplaced and the president and his lawyers acted promptly upon discovery of this mistake, unquote. Biden is already halfway through his term and is hoping for re-election, but this time he's being criticized for not being transparent about the existence of the documents. I just wanted to briefly mention about Donald Trump's case because and also um, there were 325 secret and top secret files that were found at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida. And in that case, the National Archive tried to contact Trump and his team, but apparently the team was less cooperative in providing the documents back. Whereas Biden, having found about 10 documents, immediately notified the National Archive. But we should also remember that Trump was an outgoing president, whereas Biden is the incumbent one who found the documents just now. So he does not have any other choice but to report it immediately. Yeah. And uh, with with Trump, I I think he also got in trouble for having uh, some of the the, the correspondence with Kim Jong-un because he thought it was just like a personal letter that he can have himself. But when he received it as a president, uh, that is all part of it goes into the, the archives for the government mm-hmm. there. And so yeah, I, I think that was an honest mistake, to be honest with you, as much as I'm not a big fan of you know Donald Trump.
from. I think that was an honest mistake here. But yeah, this is going to really blow up, I think. Uh, has the potential of uh, being the next big, big uh, controversy over in the United States. Uh, I just want to uh, read out a remark from one of our listeners, Bucks. Uh, says, but SJ, the only thing that can stop crazy gunners is a person depending with gun. Uh, now North Korea has nuclear weapons. The only way depending South Korea is nuclear. Well, uh, in the United States, I'm going to just compare it in the United States. There's also people called the police officers. Uh, and if there's crazy people with guns, I think maybe the police officers uh, would do their job uh, with this. And also, if there was no guns in the first place, there would be no gun, crazy gun, run whatever person you were talking about here. Uh, and that's the big thing. And I have mixed feelings. Uh, handguns and stuff, okay, but uh, why do you need assault rifles is, is what I want to say because the vast majority of mass shootings that are being conducted uh, in the United States are with these assault rifles there. So I don't understand. Those are all outdated laws in the United States of right to bear arms. Come on now. Uh, let's move on here before I start throwing a fit about gun control here. Uh, South Korea and Japan agreed on Friday to continue close communications uh, in a bit to resolve a dispute over the wartime labor. Uh, this according to the Japanese government a day after Seoul suggested a solution to the issue. Now, top diplomats of the two countries also uh, holding phone talks earlier today to discuss the pending issues regarding that very matter here. Ji, you have more on this. Right. So on Thursday, Seoul said it was considering a proposal for a South Korean foundation to compensate plaintiffs on behalf of uh, Japanese corporate defendants that allegedly used forced labor during Japan. Japan's colonial rule of the Korean Peninsula as the best possible option. Now, this was against the two Japanese firms, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries and Nippon uh, Steel Corp. But the victims and supporting civic groups have rejected the plan, calling for Japan's apologies and direct involvement by the companies in the compensation process. Uh, the problem has contributed to the deterioration of bilateral ties to the world's worst level in decades, and Japan maintains that all claims stemming from its colonial rule period were settled completely and finally under a 1965 bilateral, bilateral agreement. And regarding this matter, South Korean Foreign Minister Park Jin and his Japanese counterpart Yoshimasa Hayashi fled, uh, pledged to restore healthy bilateral relations and further develop them by resolving pending issues uh, when they spoke over the phone earlier today. And they also talked about regional security and agreed to continue strengthening bilateral cooperation as well as the three-way cooperation involving the United States to deter the North's nuclear and missile threats. Again, I, there's been a lot of talks about this. Uh, the victim side, I, th I don't think the victim side is uh, very happy with the, uh, the proposal here. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about this before. I, I know there's been some criticism that the, the South Korean government is trying to speed up the process and trying to normalize the ties right now between uh, South Korea and Japan by resolving this. But the most important thing is that the victims uh, the victims uh, are happy with whatever solution that comes up and i think the consensus right now with the the third party paying uh, and uh, the question of who's actually paying for this it's not mitsubishi heavy industries or nippon steel uh, that's becoming a controversy but i feel like over the next uh, few weeks uh, this is going to be one of the big topics uh, we're going to continue to talk about mm -hmm. uh, speaking of big topics that we've been talking about for uh, some quite time Right now, uh, this special police team concluding 
the probe, uh, the probe on Etel and Crowd Crush, uh, with six officials being arrested in the 74-day investigation. Uh, Bogan, let's get the details of this. Right. So since the Halloween Crowd Crush of October 29, we saw a special police team being set up. Three hearings taking place and officials being arrested. And as of today, the special police team closed its probe and will be dismantled later this month. The team handed 23 to the prosecution, with six people being arrested, including former Yongsan Police Station Chief Lee Imje and Yongsan District Office Head Park Hee-young, both on charges of professional negligence resulting in death. The team consisting of 501 personnel kicked off on November 1st and had been investigating the district office and the police, fire and other related agencies in Yongsan. Today, the special police team concluded that the crowd crush was a man-made disaster caused by authorities' failure to come up with disaster prevention measures and respond promptly to an emergency situation. However, the special police team concluded that Interior and Safety Minister Lee Sang-min, Seoul Mayor Oh Se-hun, and National Police Agency Commissioner General Yoon Hee-gun are not responsible for the tragedy. The team claimed that these parties had no legal duties related to the risk of a crowd surge in a specific area. Um, again, I mean, I think this is also being met with some controversy amongst the, the, the victim's family as well. They're basically saying that uh, it's the higher-ups that are evading uh, the punishments that needs to be handed down. And uh, again, the big question is when uh, these officials knew that there was going to be a massive, massive gathering of people in Itaewon on Halloween, uh, why there wasn't any specific plan in place there. But uh, again, we still have uh, a few more days of uh, the, 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 what is it, the, the the bipartisan, uh, the parliamentary, uh, the investigative committee, right? I believe, I think the victims' families are going to uh, request another extension of the probe into this because so far they've been coming out saying that they're not happy with the results, they're not getting any answers, and they're getting answers from the news of all people, and they're not getting in the loop, which is really, really unfortunate here. Uh, staying with this issue, uh, let's talk about uh, speaking of the uh, the, the wrap-up of the uh, the months-long investigation here, uh, top government officials refer to the prosecution on charges of professional negligence, as we talked about. But we're going to get more uh, mm -hmm. in-depth look into this. And Chihi, you have the details. Right. So just like Po Kyung said, uh, the special police investigation now concluded that the whole crowd crush incident was a man-made disaster. And the team, in fact, said there was no proper emergency rescue or disaster control action that was taken by each responsible agency with relevant guidelines for emergency situations. Uh, so this eventually led to the high death toll. Now, 23 government officials were referred, to be exact, to the prosecution on fatal professional negligence and other charges. And among those referred to the prosecution uh, with with detention were, like Po Kyung said, Park Kyung and Lee Im Jae, but there were also four other police and Yongsan ward officials who were also referred to the prosecution with detention, including a former Seoul Metropolitan Police Agency official charged with deleting internal reports that uh, warned of Halloween overcrowding and a possible safety accident. Now, uh, SMPA's Chief Kim Gwang-ho and two other officers in charge of emergency monitoring and Yongsan Fire Station Chief Choi sung the chief of the Yongsan Community Health Center and the chief of the Itaewon Subway Station were also among those uh, referred 
to the prosecution without detention on fatal uh, professional negligence or other charges connected to the response. Now, the heads of Hamilton Hotel, which is located next to the accident site, yes, and a bar on the hotel's ground floor were also referred to the prosecution because uh, they were installed they installed illegal structures on the narrow alley, making the alley alley very narrow for uh, people to pass by. And following the transfer of the cases, prosecutors are expected to conduct further investigation for potential indictments to decide whether to have them stand trial. You know, I, I think one of the, name, the, the names that stand out here the most is uh, Yongsang Fire Station Chief Choi Sang-bum. I think the consensus amongst the public was that he did absolutely nothing wrong and why his, is he being referred there? Uh, because initially they were saying that how come the Yongsan fire uh, station uh, didn't arrive in the scene fast enough? Well, the thing is, I mean, they were uh, attending to other, I believe, uh, incidents. And uh, that's the reason why uh, other uh, local fire departments uh, came first. And I mean, I, if, if there's anyone that was doing their job uh, on that fateful day, I think it was uh, Chai Sung-bam, the uh, Yongsan fire station chief. My other question is, you guys have been to that area, right? Mm. The Itaewon area next to the Hamilton Hotel and yep. how that the, the illegal structures that's been there for a really really long time. It's not like they, hey, it's almost Halloween. Let's set up this mm-hmm. illegal structure and mm-hmm. see what happens. Uh, we'll probably get away with. No, it's, it's been there for like a really long time. My question is, how come knowing that that was there for such a long time that no one said anything? And that no one was cracking down on them. And who's responsible for, I don't know what ministry is uh, responsible for cracking down on these illegal structures. But that's been there for a really long time. And I think people that overlooked that illegal structure for that many uh, long period of time, th- that person needs to be referred to the prosecution as well. But we're not you know, hearing anything about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the case is being handed to the prosecution, as we uh, mentioned. But... The most important thing out of all this is not what I think, it's not what Chihi thinks or what Pogyang thinks, but what the families of the victims uh, feel about this. What's been the response and the expectations from the bereaved families, Pogyang? Right. So as you just said, now it is in the hands of the prosecution to dig further into the case. And today, the representatives of the bereaved families, Mr. Lee Jong-chul and Lee Jung-min, visited the Seoul Western District Prosecutor's Office to make further victim statements. Representative Lee said that they've expected that the senior officials would be spared, including Minister Lee Sang-min and Seoul Mayor Oh Se-hoon especially. Lee said that the special police team cut off the lizard's tail to spare the head. The families will request the prosecution to investigate further with a broader perspective and that the leadership should be held accountable for the tragedy. They also requested to be informed about the entire process and details of the investigation, as the special police team had not done so. Again, uh, the 10-day extension on the Parliamentary uh, Investigative Committee is going to come to an end, I believe, on the 17th, I I believe, is when it's going to end. And uh, the family members of the victims, uh, their uh, argument is that for the first, uh, the vast majority of the 45 days that they were supposed to be investigating, there was just like bipartisan bickering going on. And they, they were just fighting politically and there was no investigation whatsoever. And so that there's been a huge delay into this investigation. There needs to be more time into this. And I'm pretty sure they're going to call it. And I know there's going to be all these voting going on and people saying, no, uh, you know, we don't need to extend this anymore. We got the answer that we want. No. 
until the victims' families feel that they got the answers that they want. I think uh, this investigation uh, needs to continue on, and I think a lot of our listeners had voiced that uh, similar opinion as well. Guys, uh, thank you very much for coming in today with your reports. Please have a safe weekend, and we'll see you guys again next week. Have a good weekend. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.